0: I'm
1: Logan Bishop from Belmont University.
0: And I'm Jenna Spinelli from Penn State. You're listening to Higher Ed Social, part of the Connect EDU network.
1: I mean, Tennessee has been exactly what you'd expect Tennessee to be is about the best I can put it. Um, Nashville has been exactly what Nashville would, you would expect Nashville to be, which is just an interesting mix of opinions and, but everyone wears a mask. So I can't complain too much. Um, I
2: mean, we're pretty spoiled out here. Like, the weather, you know, we could do outside things. Like we did cancel a barbe- outdoor barbecue last night because it was chilly for LA standards. <laughs> but for social distancing and doing stuff outdoors, like despite our numbers being what they are, there's, yeah, I'm grateful.
1: Yeah, we were, we got a little crazy there during the holidays as far as, you know, being one of the worst per capita in the world. But, you know, uh, it's just the world. Um, yeah, but,
2: <laughs> the awards will be given out later, maybe it's next
1: just, year. <laughs> it's just a little, it's just, we're just a little blue dot if you compare us to the universe. So, mm-hmm. like, it's not that big of a deal, um, but, you know, oh. it's what it is. And, and we've managed yeah. to keep, fingers crossed, campus, for the most part, safe. So, um, I've been, I've been happy and, um, I, I at least get to see the people that I work with. I mean, maybe once a day as we pass by, um, each other, uh, but that's nice. And I, I, I do kind of feel for the folks that aren't able to do that because, you know, when all this started work from home just seemed like, wow, that's going to be cool. And then
2: <laughs> I could I could have warned you all about that. <laughs> I've been working from home.
1: Working from home was okay when I didn't have to help teach my kid first grade. Oh. Um mm. that was rough. Um That's another
2: category.
1: Yeah, and on top of that just the cats all over just climbing on your lap and scratching you in meetings. It's just not as fun as I thought it would be. I did like going out and like running like an hour before I had to go to work. That was nice. Mm -hmm. I didn't have to worry. That could be my commute. You know, running Uh, and then coming back.
0: Yeah. Well, that's
2: a new thing I'm doing now is middle of the day, like go for a run or, um, I hurt my back early on in this little pandemic. Mm -hmm. And, um, I started to swim a lot more, and so now I'm swimming. My back Mm. is doing way better. Um, But, like, swimming in the middle of the day and then going back to do it, it's pretty awesome. (laughs) Actually, I was Mm. like, I'm going to keep doing this.
1: That sounds pretty awesome. In
2: in L.A.,
0: outside. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have to say, I was saying to my my running friends over the weekend, we were all kind of commiserating how much we miss those extra steps walking around campus all the time and how it all kind of adds up quick. Those couple extra calories you burn every day is enough to have an extra snack totally. or, you know, extra glass of wine at night. And without it, it adds up pretty fast.
2: Yeah, I mean, even getting around the grocery store – We've always had a, been a little spoiled with Instacart hmm. in this household, but <laughs> all those Target it costs your wallet,
1: <laughs> but yes. it also
2: costs your rings.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, I work it I worked real does. hard
2: on my rings.
1: I actually hit my rings today, which I'm very proud of. So,
2: yeah, yay! That's good to get that in went early. on a walking
1: meeting today. So Ooh.
2: that too. Let's reimagine meetings. How about that?
1: Yep. Took. Didn't I should have brought my iPad with me, but it was, a, it was a good meeting. But before we go too far down the rabbit hole, um, <laughs> we're here with Josie, and we'll let you reintroduce yourself. If folks haven't listened to the show in two years, they, they would might not know who you are.
2: Yeah, so much has changed in two years now. My name's Josie Alquist. I'm logging in from Los Angeles, California. And since 2013, I've been researching, writing, and speaking about digital engagement and digital leadership. I do a lot of work within student affairs and student-centered marketing in centralized communication and then i also um, try to help college presidents and uh, vice presidents be a bit more authentic and engaging in digital spaces in addition to empowering college students as a speaker in their social platforms I'm also, I have this new part of my keynote that I want to do because I asked in higher ed social, like, hey, if you could tell students anything, what would it be? And it was really more of like, be nice to us, like even say thank you (laughs) in our comments and not because I mean, social managers have just gotten the brunt end of the stick always. But to realize like these small little thank yous could go a really long way from students. I mean, obviously reach out when there are issues. Uh, I I'm going to add that to my student keynote. So hopefully there'll be a flood of, <laughs> of love <laughs> to social media managers at that campus because they need it.
1: Yeah. It's been a rough year for social media managers. And I say that as a social media manager, <laughs> <I> um, know <laughs> it was, a it was a tough year. And, you know, even for us, I mean, Everyone, of course, we had the, you know, we have the pandemic and then, you know, we had, you know, the fight for racial justice and diversity and inclusion and all of that kind of really important stuff. But then it all started for us a year ago, like last week when we got hit by a tornado and then we had the pandemic and then we had to switch everything to online. And then you know, last semester we had a presidential debate, and then it—it's been just crazy. And I'm not saying that we're an exception; like we all have had these extra things on top of the pandemic that would normally be like heart attack. Um, and then you throw, you know, a pandemic on top of it, and everyone should go. And I and I maybe I'm being a little self-serving here, saying you should go virtually hug your social media manager but you should do that buy you them should, donuts though. they deserve yeah. donuts mm-hmm. i have once donuts right now because they make me happy
2: yeah once you're vaccinated and you get permission like maybe go in for the hug i don't know yeah at
1: <laughs> like, least an elbow just, bump.
2: Just... yes yeah i mean an email a dm it goes such a long way i do unofficially call myself a advocate for social media managers from students to all the way up to the president, because uh, it's a newer profession if you actually look on paper. So both people don't get it and also don't take it seriously. But it's the front freaking page of your campus and any brand. So the stakes are high. And what we're seeing this year is there's a new level of resiliency that's being built, but at such a cost to to those professionals, you can only take so much, right, without a break, without right. more resources or support.
0: or So we're losing good people. Right. And I guess the the question, like, coming out of all this becomes, like, will it lead to any long-term change, right? Like, will there be, you know, kind of this this recognition that, yeah, social media is important and you need to invest in the staff to really you know, have the, the presence that you kind of see in your, your mind.
2: I sure hope so. I mean, I'm not saying my business is the measuring stick, mm-hmm. but I'm very busy <laughs> uh, <laughs> both in needing to get education to professionals To, I mean, at least student affairs divisions being finally like we need to figure this out and maybe realign it. I mean, budgetary resources are a pretty big beast to to get moving. But I think I think the curtain has been revealed for hopeful executives.
1: Well, you know, just letting people know that they're doing a good job or. I definitely understand that you feel dead inside like that. That is the kind of, you know, I know most of us don't feel dead inside. That's probably an over exaggeration, but sometimes we do, especially when the dregs of the Internet come out Mm -hmm. um, and there's no amount of fact that will change a person's mind. Um, Mm. Well,
2: it's interesting. It's interesting you say that because almost you have to um, build a resiliency, like a mm-hmm. shield, right? So you don't feel what you're seeing on the screen. Yep. So, I mean, maybe dead inside is a far extreme of it. it but is. you really do have to desensitize yourself. And what I'm finding, again, coming from my student affairs background, is a lot of social media managers are – empaths they're sensitive you can read a room physically and digitally and so no wonder we are as managers so impacted uh both the quality of our work but then when the crisis happen. um so there's 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 some work to be done
1: well our job is to build community like i mean if you're if if your if your goal on social media is really to post things and to get news out, but not to really build that community, I can I can definitely see where you might not feel as affected when the community just feels poisoned, you know? And I'm not saying that either way is wrong or either way is right, because there's sometimes a little too much of one or a little too much of the other. Um, but it's definitely important to And and the way I've made it through, what, 10 years of this is just feel enough of it to where you can empathize with people. But at the same time, there's a point where you just have to turn it off and eat a donut Um, Mm -hmm. or something like that.
0: Yeah. And I think, too, like as you know, millennials and, and Gen Z, we we take a lot of pride in our work, too. And we feel like personally connected to it in a way that maybe older generations don't. And I think that that is something that, um, you know, I've had conversations with older supervisors about like, oh, well, why are you taking this stuff so personally and all that? And it's just, yeah, I don't know. I don't quite know what it is about the way that, that we were raised or, you know, how, the kind of sociological background of it, but it does seem to be a constant among friends and and colleagues that I talk to.
2: Mm. I think that well, it's also such a public platform to deliver work mm-hmm. without a ton of some, but not as elevated of power within the architecture that you're navigating. Um. But I think that's fascinating to kind of dissect based upon how we were brought up, uh, then the nature of social and the nature of higher ed, right? Because higher ed is quite the beast <laughs> of a, uh, an industry to move. And social doesn't work that way. Nope. I mean, I'm also like, we all know this.
1: Right? Well, the other thing, too, though, is that and, and this is the thing that this is the thing that I kind of am torn about. Just in, about social media. I, I am a huge believer in social media, and I am a huge believer in what higher education can do using social media. Our job—it's in our word, the words of our name—we are here to educate people and to teach mm-hmm. people. And I feel like social media is such a powerful tool to do that. At the same time, social media is tearing apart our. Just collective culture. Um, and I try to wonder myself, and this is what tears me up is that the internet that I grew up with and, oh my gosh, here I go. Uh, back when I walked up the hill in the snow, both ways, <laughs> um, back in our day, like the fact that we had access to all this information, was just like mind blowing. Like we can connect to the world. Like I'm here in Pulaski, Tennessee, this like little town that's out of nowhere in the middle of nowhere. And I live like 15 miles from that. And I can connect to this place where I can get all the information that I want if I wait 20 minutes for the website to load. And but but at the time, you know, that was a big deal. Like the internet was such a huge deal to us. And it was a way for us to learn and to get to know more. But these days, it's not about that anymore. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of misinformation out there. And th- that's the problem is that so many people from where I come from and, and, you know, there's a lot of people out there that still believe that everything that they see on the Internet is real. And everything that they read on social media that their friends are posting is, is the truth. And I feel like, as higher ed institutions, we have an opportunity there to help fix that, but then at the same time, no matter how much we say this, this, and this, no one's ever going to believe us because we're not their friends um and they mm-hmm. believe their're friends over you know empirical information <laughs> um, so that's the thing is that I love the fact that i I've done social media for so long, but now I'm just kind of wondering, well, what's the point? And 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 that's when I I jokingly say I feel dead inside because that's just a really that's just a really hard thing to get over, you know?
2: I mean, these are very imperfect tools that especially the last few years have definitely taken on a new chapter, which internet researchers are digging into. Yeah. Which I feel like both the social media manager world and the like researcher faculty of the world, like we need to get in the same <laughs> Facebook group to both be the informants and to understand because going back to the, the field of social media managers, I think to advocate for those positions and more resources, uh, we need to kind of, well, it's not playing the high red game, but we do need to have more scholarship. And like the academics of it, we don't need to like add these credentials and things like that, right? But the more you can elevate and understand a field, that is valued to a provost or a president, right? To like further along, if Mm -hmm. if you were to like look on the academic side of things. Um, But I also see plenty of opportunities for
1: theses and stuff. (laughs) Uh, Mm -hmm. Plenty of opportunities. I also see
2: y'all as educators, right, you're probably already going out and, well, going out in quotes, <laughs> doing like workshops to help like student affairs divisions or other folks do social better or get in front of students. Like you can both empathize and educate. I think the way that I try to often, uh, and like you just said about disinformation, but how do you also kind of put a spin on it about having advanced knowledge about how to, you know create your linkedin profile or uh using twitter for a professional context that's really cool because a lot Mm -hmm. of these students don't even realize that and then they can teach you something amazing about tiktok right or i don't think students are on clubhouse it's just some adults with a lot of time i can't (laughs) i
1: have my feelings about clubhouse for sure (laughs) um Mostly that it just I accident I hit one notification and then it just goes and I'm like yes. Oh stop, yeah, I stop. turn
0: those off right away. Yep. Like, come
2: on, your friend is talking right now.
1: Don't you want to hear them?
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and I have a lot of speaker friends, so you can only imagine how many notifications I'm getting <laughs> with them mm-hmm. in the
1: Clubhouse. <laughs> I can certainly not want to imagine that. Um, yeah. so speaking of, you know, um, sorry to go off on this sad Logan trip there, um, <laughs> oh. <laughs> sad social media manager. It's been a rough year. This um, is therapy. How how are things? Um, are, are you still a faculty member? Um, are, are you doing the remote thing?
2: So I teach with Florida State in the summer. Adjunct has always been online. So my summer class this last summer was business as usual, Mm -hmm. Um, and it's a master's in a doc class called Technology in Higher Ed. It heavily focuses on technology strategy that is through a lens of digital communications, and I bring in folks from both central comms as well as student affairs, enrollment, to give them all that goodness um, in six weeks you know, we just got to cram everything. That's the, uh, and then I do do some research with them on the side, but it's just nice to have a little affiliation with the campus to have a little pocket. I kind of consider the class as my sandbox (laughs) to really kind of understand what's, what's up with students.
1: Yeah. So
0: that level. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I know you have a new book out as well. Right. And I actually want to ask you, um, we were talking about kind of this this trust building and, and disinformation and you know i wonder how you think about those things in terms of some of your work on on digital leadership is there an opportunity to help position you know campus leaders for example as those trusted sources on maybe a more personal level when they they you know the institution as a whole might not be able to garner that same level of trust
2: Yeah. So the book came out in September. I submitted it to go into the publication process the week before we went into lockdown. So that timing was just hilarious. So there's no like talk of pandemic or COVID, like they don't let you touch it other than for like, hey, you misspelled this word, which might be refreshing to people. I do think people are, fine. people, you know, readers, myself, we're finally getting back into reading. I haven't been able to read all year. So I have so many people reach out. They're like, I'm so sorry. I haven't read your book. I'm like, I haven't read anything. (laughs) Like, it's okay. Um, And the book though was developed over the last four years where I... I mean, I'm always looking out to what's happening with public facing leaders. So whether that's the president or chancellor or a director, how they're showing up on social media, and then there was a research spin to it. Leaders, and we, and the test was this last year, right? You knew a leader that was sending out an email blast that felt like it was written by a text robot versus another that showed up on camera may have even cried or just my dogs agree. You can hear them. They're really great supporters of my work. Uh, (laughs) The emotional, the emotions that leaders need to convey in their messages, whether in an email or in a video It goes such a long way, especially for times that are very difficult, which is sometimes the hardest. So that has been the test, but also when things are really great, right? Because you don't want to celebrate, let's say, someone or an achievement when it just feels like, you know, you're just printing off whatever you said last year. Mm -hmm. And really, that's the crux of the book. Is I use a framework of authenticity. Uh, For some, they may not quite align with that kind of language and so it's flexible enough to say find a way in the ways that your identity your personhood and your position because we know every campus culture is different how you can navigate the space in between. Because at the end of the day, we're trying to connect with real human beings. Of course, there's robots on the internet and we're gonna ignore and report those. But you actually really want to connect with a student or a parent in your comments or in your replies or even in your DMs. And these, like Logan, you shared earlier about digital community building, these channels are not supposed to be just one directional radio signals. We want interaction, and even that message is surprising to some leaders. They've they, because they've just been going one directional,
1: right? Um, yeah, that's yeah. a that's a thing that I think every leader should keep in mind. Is you know, if you're going to be on social media, it's not just about shouting to the world. It, it's about building relationships i mean it's it's literally like in the word social media it's a two-way conversation um and i just wish you know I, i wish more people would realize that not just on a leadership level but also on a on a human level um and and that goes with any brand i guess you have to remember that talking to people makes them feel special. And that's what builds your brand. That is what makes social so powerful is because people feel special, making them feel special. Um, and that's what all of us want. I mean, you know, you tweet a major brand or a famous person and they like your tweet and you're like, Oh my gosh, they didn't even have to talk to you. They just hit a little heart because they thought your, your, your message was at least somewhat worth pressing a button for. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that that's special. That means that's good. That means someone saw what you said and cared what you had to say. Right. So, well, that
2: that's it. You're letting them know they're seen. And when we unpack again higher education, and student development. We want them to feel like they belong. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you can unpack the ROI beyond that graduation, careers, giving back. That's all like goes down. And And I'm not saying just because you get them into your Instagram account, all those things are going to happen. But what I did with the book is I tried to pack it with stories like real leaders doing this to say, this is Teresa Riley, who now is the chancellor at University of Arkansas, Fort Smith, and how she uses Snapchat in an on-the-go conversation with a student who then came to her office and said, as an alumni and said, I absolutely love you, exchange contact information. And that's a relationship that keeps going, right? It's not just, oh, Teresa posts selfies on Snapchat, like the real work's happening, maybe even not even in the feed so to again to give examples like that the rationale the meeting and then what happens afterwards cuz i do think that's the piece maybe both leaders and maybe to some extent those that have been tasked with social or told they need to do social they don't see beyond the content what can be yeah when you do have that community relational perspective
1: But it's also honestly scary for them, too, because engaging with people is a lot more difficult than a lot of people realize. (laughs) Um, But at the same time, it's not as hard as you really think it is. Like, it's kind of a little bit of both. You have to give time to it. That's the hard part. But you just be be a person. And and that's, well, and that I mean, let's be fair. That's hard for some people too, but you know, it's it's not as it's we just think about it too much. We we think about the interaction too much. Like, what could they say? What's the worst thing that could happen? And in most cases, most people aren't jerks. They exist.
2: I mean, it's a real thing. Like a lot of presidents have like face firing squads on Twitter Mm. and never want to go back and I don't blame them, but okay. So then who is the person that's going to be your wing person Mm -hmm. to help field some of those when it is bad. So then you can do really the work that you need to do. And I mean, even for social managers, right? Like are you editing or like modifying keywords Mm. that you're not, you're just not going to see in the YouTube comments, right? Like there's some measurements that you can take. Um, But I, I don't want to discount the scary at all because that, mm-hmm. I mean, I just recently gained a Twitter troll. So like sharing the realness, like we can't yeah. put, put puppies and, and things on this. Mm-hmm. Um, but well, what yes. I think is happening, though, is if leaders don't figure out a way to show up in this lens, they are going to struggle. They mm-hmm. uh, And I don't want to say like, oh, you're not going to be hired as a VP if you don't do this, but you have to figure out your own lens to do it. And maybe that your sweet spot is just on LinkedIn or blogging or whatever it is that because I don't want to push somebody into like, I have no interest in getting any president on TikTok that's, you know, because their students are going to calm out in a second if it's not, you know, like well not authentic to use the cliche uh, phrase
0: right right
2: so that's the work as a coach that i'm just trying to filter out values personality and then a platform that we can amplify all those things and sometimes they don't give themselves credit of like oh yeah i am a person like i've been put in this serious position too long and they forget like oh, I have a puppy yeah. or I, mm-hmm. I'm i a triathlete and I could be sharing a little bit about that journey. Like sometimes that simple content can open them up to community for before things, maybe when they have to share yeah. something that's harder to post.
1: Yeah. It yeah, allows I mean, the, the other thing to happen. Oh, but go yeah. ahead.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, the other thing I've been thinking about, and maybe this is just happens to be indicative of the the culture of of where I work, but there's I think this pressure of like, well, as a social media manager, like I shouldn't say I can't say this, or there's certain things that like I can't say, or you don't always feel like you have as much freedom, especially posting from an institutional account. So you tend to like overcompensate for that and be like much more rigid as a result. And so I wonder how you how you counsel people that way? Like, you know, is it okay to like, pull back the curtain on those institutional accounts to show the personality of the people who are actually putting out the content? So you're not just speaking as the the university or the department or the college or whatever.
2: I mean, this is where we see two distinct differences. And even the book, I say in the book, like you could take a lot of the framework and apply it to university division and department accounts, but I also think there needs to be another book written for mid level and new professionals who you can't even on the best days, you can't do the same thing as a president that might have more social capital privilege power, like all those things right or on the on the table. And then also as a social media manager posting, you know, on behalf of the university, that's like another layer. Right. Mm -hmm. But so while I was developing the book, Liz Gross and I did some research (laughs) on the most influential execs, presidents, provost, vice presidents. And I mean, if you want to talk about who should post what executive accounts have the most positive sentiment Versus institutional accounts, at least the the ones we were looking at. So it's actually to the benefit to get your leaders on, even in the worst of times for them to deliver these messages. That's probably the best place for some of this personalized to happen. And then the institutional account can like digitally hug around that. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and amplify that. Now that doesn't happen at every campus. And so that voice of personalization isn't going to happen overnight and it's like a wrestling match I I get it behind the scenes to even add a little zhuzh (laughs) that feels Mm -hmm. like we're not corporate like we're really talking to you and I don't know maybe that's like the next blog post or project that I need to
1: Mm.
0: to sit on
2: To sit I think
0: there's yeah there's There's our episode title, Logan, a little zhuzh. <laughs> How
1: do you even spell that? Um, yeah, I don't know. I
0: was thinking about that. It's up for interpretation.
1: <laughs> it's good stuff um so are there any like you know final thoughts that you have for for folks um as we kind of close up today?
2: I mean, I guess the message that. I think we're really hard on ourselves wherever you work in higher ed, but in social and communications, like we were crafted to be really good, near perfect. And to admit this is really hard work, like give yourself a digital hug, a hug if you're not going to like be around people that can do that. But I would also say something I've learned throughout my whole career, especially since I kind of went rogue from a campus, is if you're not getting it at your campus, like, the support or the resources, ask for it on social from, like, asking a question in a Facebook group or posting something on Twitter. Like, sure, one time you might not get anybody to reply, but uh, even if it's saying, like, hey, give me your best, like, You know, gifts right now to like little things like that, because I guarantee whatever you're having a hard time with, there's like hundreds and hundreds of other people that Mm -hmm. are kind of feeling that same thing. And it is the reason why I started a new service, I guess you could call it, called the Digital Community Builder Cohort. Mm -hmm. And there's 15 of us. Uh, It's part therapy, part social media strategy. And I have a team of five names you would recognize who are experienced higher ed digital community builders who are called faculty, but I'm really like, they're kind of mentors and guides because we, in our calls, we're just both unpacking the hardness of this right now, in addition to quickly filling people in with support and strategy in the moment, right? Not just at a conference where we're getting Zoomed out or waiting you know till we can do that in purpose in, in person someday so i'm probably going to do it again in the summer um i think that might be something helpful for some folks at any part any packet of campus because I, I we need a we need a holistic view you know you can't just like read an article and apply it and be good to go like Again, we need like full big bare arm hugs <laughs> and, and timely resources.
1: I miss those.
2: So, I mean, beyond beyond that work, just you're doing the best you can and reach out to me if I can ever be a support or an advocate or I can whisper in the ear of one of your executives to <laughs> see what I can do.
0: <laughs> well, and give that, a digital hug.
2: So many hugs, hugs this time. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, thanks, Josie, for joining us this week.
2: My pleasure. Let's do it again in two years.
1: (laughs) Okay, folks, head down to highered.social and get links to the stuff that Josie talked about today, including her book and her website and all that kind of fun stuff. And don't forget to subscribe to the show anywhere you listen to podcasts. If you like the show, please consider giving us a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps people find us and it lets us know what you think of the show. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at HES Podcasts. Send us a tweet, we love talking to you, and don't forget to let us know if you want to be on the show. Higher Ed Social was created by Jackie Vetrano and me, Logan Bishop, and this episode was produced by Emma Haas. We're part of the Connect EDU Network, the first podcast network for higher education. Visit the website connectedu.network and subscribe to some awesome shows, no matter where you work on campus. Thanks, and we'll see you in a couple weeks.